Welcome to the Give This Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Kai. This podcast is sponsored by the GPS Island Program, which Forbes has stated helps entrepreneurs become professional speakers. For more information, go to ChristopherKai.com. Our guest today is Antisa Jensen. She is an emotional intelligence expert, TEDx speaker, and a transformational leadership coach based out of Denmark. Antisa, thanks so much for being on our show today. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So you have a skill set that I wish everyone had, but most people don't, which is EQ. And mm. I never want to assume that people know what that is, frankly. So just first explain what EQ is so our guests can, can learn about that. Well, so um, emotional intelligence is, you know, it's the intelligence of the emotional sphere. It's, it's the, the language of empathy, if you will. Um, I like to really trim it down to um, emotional literacy is really where it comes from, but also knowing what you're feeling and being able to communicate that in a, a highly intelligent way. There are varying scales of that amongst people and you're right that it's not a common, uh, it's not a commonly known skill set. let's put it that way. I think that there are lots of people who are on their way to becoming emotionally intelligent, but they don't think about it in that way because it's still kind of a new concept. Yeah, like in the West, at least in, in the U.S. or actually in Asia as well, like so much emphasis is placed on IQ and standardized testing. And when I started diving into the EQ world, because, you know, I, I speak about stories and how to communicate, and how to build better relationships, and it's all about EQ based on science. So how did you come about that, that awareness or just that passion for, for diving into being an EQ expert? Well, you know, I actually, um, in many ways, I'm an expat in Denmark, and I, I credit having become an expat here for the sort of beginning parts of that journey. I have always been very attuned to my environment and in many ways also really aware of my own internal landscape, but I didn't have language, I didn't have the communication skills to really uh, lead with that. And as an American, there were certain aspects of relating on a personal level that I kind of took for granted because all Americans kind of are, at least on the surface level, quite open. It's easy to make friends. <laughs> you know, like we have this, this you, you can walk in a bar and leave with a new best friend a half an hour later, um, that kind of deal. And I experienced that when I lived in New York City. And when I moved here to Copenhagen, I, it was the first time in my life where I struggled to make friends. And I'm, I'm very easygoing and very outgoing. And so I was very surprised. I didn't think that that was going to be something I was going to have a problem with. And I had to learn a new way of relating because Danes are not very transparent with their most vulnerable feelings until you have sort of broken through that outer layer. I say Danes are like coconuts and Americans are like peaches in that way. <laughs> That's and so, so Yeah, so my journey here was really like learning that there was a whole new level of, first of all, compassion, a, a level of gratitude that I had to accept and embody as part of being an American. And sort of slowing down and understanding that there is this, this umbrella that goes over cultural differences, which is EQ, that can bridge um, that sort of the division that tends to exist between cultural um, separation and, and just dive, dive in from there. And it was in the process of actively pursuing what that was that I discovered that actually my empathy wasn't quite enough. I needed to develop actual skill sets, which I got through coaching training mostly to learn how to reach people who I didn't immediately connect with. No, that's fascinating. So our listeners are all around the world, literally. And in Europe, I found that like whether you're in like Switzerland or Germany, it's like one thing or even Copenhagen or Sweden. But then if you're like in Spain or Italy or France, it's like it's just so fascinating that 
they're all in Europe, but there's, they all have their own little subcultures. And for you as an EQ, you're almost like a Jedi warrior in a sense, because you, you have the basis of EQ from the States, but then where you're over there, you know, you can just hop over to another country in like an hour or less. So it's just fascinating. So when you coach your, your clients, I mean, what are some of the challenges that you feel they have and how do you help them through those challenges? Um, I think that the, the biggest challenge that most people face, not just my clients, is um, actually creating space to share what's going on inside of them. And I think that this is really a big part of emotional intelligence is at the core, most of us really know what's going on, but you know, we don't feel like we know how to say it in a specific way without facing rejection or causing conflict or um, hurting someone's feelings. And so, you know, like I'll have clients who come to me and say, Antisa, how do I say, say this without sounding judgmental? And it, it's such a loaded question because um, the answer to that question is stop judging them. <laughs> you know? um, yeah. But, and that's why you coach them. You know, it's not just like, you know. Because they don't know until they have you there, right? Right, exactly. And so if you, if you do successfully learn how to stop judging, which is a big part of what coaching is for, is to really get to the core of what it is that you're judging a person about and, you know, taking full responsibility of where you're also judging yourself and that whole little rabbit hole that you, that you go down as a coach, like a very positive rabbit hole, um, so that you can learn how to say something with authenticity and with connection, like fully being present with a person while also hearing them and listening to them that creates the emotionally intelligent conversation. And have you read some of the research based on EQ? Uh, yes. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I've read it, but again, I, I want you to share, you know, um, with our audience, like what, what are some of the research based on EQ relative to IQ and how powerful it is as leaders or business people, or just frankly, as people. Well, I think the one that stands out the most for me is that EQ is the much higher determining factor in someone's success at a job and not IQ. And this is something I practice. I had a 12-year career in investment banking. You and I talked just before we started about working on Wall Street. I was also in international investment banking for 12 years. And I came in having majored in French and music, and I was surrounded by a bunch of people who studied business <laughs> and finance. And I climbed the ladder very, very quickly, both in Denmark and in New York, because I knew how to relate to people. I knew how to make connections. I knew how to solve problems from a really creative way. And I knew how to... Um, influence people, not manipulate them, but influence them. And I find that, um, and I also was a, a leader when I, in my last few years while I was working here in Denmark in banking. And I often was known for hiring sort of the, the, the outliers, you know, like a couple of my, a couple of the incoming students and graduate students and stuff where, were, um, you know, they studied music or they had some kind of artistic background and they came in and just killed it because they had the capacity to reach people in a meeting where people are totally checked out and to, you know, actually go after things. They had a little bit more bravery. They, they had a little bit more courage. And I genuinely found that people with high levels of emotional intelligence were significantly more successful and significantly more contributive to the collective that is a corporate environment. If, if that's where you want to be, like, it's a really great place for that. Yeah. It's interesting you mentioned that because again, Everyone is taught a certain way, especially based on the fact that if you're American and you go to Europe or vice versa, but ultimately we, we all have this, like, it's like what you talked about how before, like some people are afraid to share some of their feelings. And it's like, I remember when I was um, talking to my, my brother and, 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 and his, his, his uh, son, 
And like a lot of these kids that are like one, two, three years old, if they're not really talking yet, or even one or two years old, like they can't really talk, so they're very frustrated. But a lot of that doesn't really leave, I find, adults, because the older you get, you feel you should know things. And if you don't know things, you don't share those things. And therefore, you have this, all this bottled up energy, just a little kid who can't communicate because they have no language. But like what you do, you're like a translator in a sense. You're an emotional translator where your skill set is so powerful. And again, I see it in my own work as a speaker, as a coach. And so I want our listeners to know how powerful the work you do. And, and it's just, it's so important because at the end of the day, like you're helping people connect better, you know? So, yeah, and I, I think one of the things that really stands out there based on what you just said too, and what's also true of storytelling from a stage is that vulnerability always wins. Yeah, you know, and this yeah. is something that we're, we're always talking about. It's a huge part of emotional intelligence. And when you can bring that into places where there's generally a lack of vulnerability and an unwillingness to be humble or to just not know, to, to actually just give sort of a global permission to be like, I actually don't know, but I will go find out and see if there's an answer. And if there's not, I'll come back with more important questions that will help us get to a solution. And I find that people who are highly emotionally intelligent are much more willing to say, I actually don't know. And then they don't feel like that's somehow going to negatively impact their career. No, that's great. What's one thing we can all do to, to have a higher EQ each day? I think my favorite one is really to be curious. Um, there's, you know, I like to say that 96% of the universe is this vast unknown that we still don't know anything about. And I think that that's actually true of our daily lives as well. And we grip onto this sense of normalcy. And that normalcy really accounts for a very small percentage of what's actually happening. And it, you know, this is one of the things that has been afforded to me by all of my travel and by living abroad is that there's a lot that we just don't know and it's okay to not know. And we have a lot to learn in this life. And then we also have a lot to unlearn. And so being willing to ask questions that we don't necessarily have answers to or that other people might not necessarily have answers to is really like one of the best practices that anyone can have. Great advice, Antiza. How can our guests stay in touch with you? The best way is to hop on over to my website, which is antisajensen.com and get on my mailing list. I send out pretty wonderful little notes every week or so, <laughs> every week or two weeks. Um, I really love to engage with the people who are there. I have lots of content on there, a um, little video about who I am. So that's a really great place to go hang out. Great. Well, thanks so much for your time. Have a great day. Thank you. You too.